Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go. Hey, Scott. Uh, great to be with you. Uh, you know, I have to confess, I'm a bit of a uh, astronomy nerd. I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. I went to space camp when I was in fifth grade. And one of the best things that I love to do is talk about the planets. And one of my favorite planets is this planet called Uranus. Do you, have you ever heard about Uranus before? I'm, I'm pretty familiar with my anus. <laughs> well, you're okay. So, um, you know, that's, that's part of the, the conversation that we have today is we're going to talk about not only the planet Uranus in the beginning, but we're going to be talking about the reality of anal sex. And uh, for some of those people who have a very uh, negative reaction to anal sex, just brace yourselves because we're going to get dirty. We're going to get messy. We're going to get slimy. There's going to be a lot of stuff going everywhere. Uh, there's going to be just, I mean, there, there's this, this conversation could go anyway. It might work. It might not. Depends on what's going on. We'll see. So when we're thinking about anal sex, Scott, what is the thing that really comes uh, to, to head for you? <laughs> well, Chris, thanks for that soft open. Um, You're what? Better not be soft on this. You got got to be hard on this this podcast. This, this requires some really good firmness on this podcast. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, um, one of my favorite sex passages of the Bible comes to mind when you bring up anal sex, and I'll just read it to you. It's from Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 17, and it says, and this wait, is... Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Are you reading me from the Bible in the anal sex podcast? Come on, Scott, Scott, don't you have any reverence for the proper way to do sexuality? Well, actually, <laughs> I think this is the proper reverence. <laughs> oh, no, shot me down. <laughs> I, I know that... Uh, I know that most of us think that anal sex was invented, you know, with the porn industry, but it's actually yeah. been around for a long, long, long time. And it's right here in the uh, prophet Ezekiel, which is one of the major prophets. And so let's, uh, here's so let's he, date this. We're talking 2,700 years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so yeah. what's what's the history? You're the Bible scholar here. This is uh, Israel's in exile or Judah's in exile. And yes. uh, yeah, Judah's in exile, and they're in Babylon. And I promise you, there's plenty of anal sex going on in Babylon. I promise you. And yeah. so here's references to that in, in the context of Scripture. So God, speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, says to uh, the nation, um, Judah, not, not the Gentiles, but the, yeah. the Jewish nation. The people of God. You also took your beautiful jewels and my gold and my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourselves images of men, and with them you played the whore. Let's just translate that properly, shall we, Chris? Let's you made dildos and had anal sex with them. Wow. The Israelites were partakers in this world of anal sex. Mm, mm, yeah, mm, and mm. actually, particularly their anal masturbation, because they're using 
uh, mm. they're using instruments shaped like male penises in their rectums and their well. Their those penis. were the most expensive dildos probably in a long time. I mean Silver that golden, gold. golden jewel dildos. It's and definitely had to chafe. Uh, they had to have some some lubrication for sure. Talk about gold weird. gold member. <laughs> yeah. so. Oh wow! <laughs> Dang. So, so that's you know history on on this is going way back. Well, you can even you can go to Genesis where. Um, you have uh, the angels coming to Lot's house, uh, and he's bringing them inside to spend the night. Like, yeah. hey, it's not safe to stay in the city square. And yeah. all the guys in the city come out because they want to have anal sex with the angels because they were pretty hot smoking. Boy, boy, that's what it was talking about. You got to be kidding me! They're, yeah. They were they wanted to rape to anally rape the angels. Oh my gosh! Well, they wanted to know them, but that's well. So let's be very clear about this. And I think, you know, uh, we're, we're being comedic and we're trying to bring some levity to the subject. But the reality is this is a huge part of human sexuality. I mean, there there are um, there are three holes in the in the context of pornography in, in the female uh, body. There's more holes, by the way, if you don't know your female anatomy, there's actually uh, another hole for for peeing that has nothing to do with the vagina, by the way. And in the in the male body, there are also three holes, but only two of which can be usable in, in penetrative situations because the penis cannot be penetrated. But the penis can penetrate another man and you can penetrate another woman's anus. And so when we're talking about this, there's some biology, there's some um, human anatomy pieces that are really important because uh, and I'll just even we'll just jump off into the deep end. There's something called being a technical virgin where you don't have vaginal sex, but you have anal sex and oral sex, of course. So this is a real life dynamic that a bunch of people experiment with, find pleasure in. I mean, we're not going to deny that some people are pleasured by anal sex. We're not, we're not shaming or condemning the practice. We're merely observing it and talking about how some people find it arousing and stimulating and why they might do that. Yeah, so let, let me just dive into the biology on this, because I read a fascinating book earlier in the year called Touch that's on the sense of touch. And in that book, he talked about the uh, periogenital nerves. So there are, there are four nerves mm. that actually innervate um, the female anatomy, and there are three that innervate the male anatomy. And of those nerves, the pudendal nerve for both males and females innervates the anus, the uh, prostate in males, the, mm. um, you know, the rectum. And so this is an area where God created sensory pleasure in a sexual sense to mm -hmm. occur. Most men recognize that when they ejaculate, their their anal sphincters are pulsating, you know, mm -hmm. which helps expel the semen. Yep. So this is an area that's considered part of the sexual anatomy. It responds to sexual stimuli. And there's nothing, you know, we're not against pleasure. Yeah. and um, and this is an area where both males and females can enjoy pleasure in the sexual experience. So that anatomy is kind of hardwired into us. And in fact, there are um, some females that cannot experience orgasm unless they're experiencing anal stimulation in some way mm. because of that, because everybody's nerve system is different. Right. So people might have stronger nerve bundles going to the anus and the prostate and so on. And so those areas might be more sensitive to touch in some people than another. So, some, yeah. So, let's just say this. By the way, this is an FYI. This is an FYI for you men. A, there's a there's a female body part called the clitoris. 
It's the female sex organ. It's the only human organ designed purely for pleasure. And the clitoris is not a button. The clitoris is a wishbone. Look it up. It's actually throughout a large part of the pelvic cavity and the pressure on for through anal uh, penetration and stimulation actually influences part of the human and the female anatomy that's felt in the clitoris as well as these other nerve endings as well. Yeah. So that could be, that could be with a finger. It could be with a, a sex toy, like a dildo, whatever, or, yep. or it could be with a penis. Um, mm. So that works both with males and females. Um, the other thing about uh, males in particular, why this has become a popular genre uh, for, you know, there's a, cat- a subcategory we call bend over boyfriend or pegging videos yep. where, yep. where the woman is wearing a strap on and anally penetrating the man. Why, why would guys do that? Because it's kind of submissive and guys aren't supposed to be submissive in sex. Well, that's one of the reasons why, because it allows a man to kind of lay back and be the recipient of receptive sex. Uh, but it also is impacting his pleasure and his prostate and his anus and you know, that the prostate is considered the male G spot. So just like females have a spot inside the front wall of their vagina that you can be uh, touching, you know, fit with your finger or penis and, and producing sexual pleasure. Men get a lot of sexual pleasure from having their prostate stimulated either directly or through the perineum. So well, Scott, that sounds like a whole nother podcast. So stay tuned and we'll come back for the pegging so, episode. <laughs> so we'll, we'll cover that later because it is uh it is a popular genre it's, in fact it's a very hard topic we have to really really be very certain about that so yeah so strap-ons are one of the longest viewed categories of porn in the Pornhub mm-hmm. annual review so it's a very popular mm-hmm. category but overall let's just talk about where does anal sex lie in kind of the interest category it's the fifth most viewed category. It's the eighth most most searched for category in Pornhub's annual review. So this is up in the top 10 in both searching and viewership. So there's something about this that really attracts people and really arouses people. So what is it? Let's talk about the arousal that's involved in this. Well, I think it's important to recognize also that it is a, a it is it is a in the last 20 years a rising theme in pornography because it wasn't always present. Anal sex I wasn't see. introduced into porn. Yeah, I got it. I hear you. Just yeah, come, come I see here. what you did there, rising. Yeah, it's going to be all over this podcast. Just it's, <laughs> we're, we're getting messy. So here we go. But um, you know, in the eighties, in the late eighties, they were they were looking for something to heighten the tension and heighten the arousal of porn viewers because it had gone from film to VHS, and it was pretty. It was very amateurish. A lot of the way things were being produced. So they said, what else can we do? You know, we've done the oral sex. We've done the vaginal sex. We've done the romance. We've done the adventure. What can we do to heighten the experience and to make it dirtier? And I think that's the word. And, and I, don't, I don't think anal sex is dirty, except for the reality that you're sticking an object into where your fecal matter comes out. There's some dirtiness. There's this bacteria there like in the, in the, in the hygienic sense, I'm not talking about that in the moral sense, but it feels unnatural. It feels like something that I'm doing that is not, not what's supposed to happen. And that heightens, let's be honest, guys, that dirtiness heightens the arousal for many people. Many people are turned off by it, but many people are turned on and very on by it. So there was a, there was a porn star in the late eighties who made this her specialty she was the anal sex girl. And all throughout the 90s, like there was the anal sex 
porn stars and the non-anal sex porn stars. And really in the 2000s, it became a rite of passage. You would come in and do girl-girl porn, then you would do girl-boy porn, and then the, the big next thing was when would you have anal sex? So it was almost like a, a degradation, that's another word we'll get to, a degradation of the individual, of the humanity to, to get to this place. Now, again, if you're listening to this and you're hearing us moralize this, we are not. We're merely observing the reality that these are human experiences. This is the way humanity was designed and made and works. And so when we talk about anal sex, we're talking about a taking of something that's very beautiful and meant to bring life and bring whole connection that's been twisted, that's been um, perverted in a sense to create – it's great that it creates pleasure, but also is it the, the thing that's going to bring health and beauty and connection to you? Maybe it can, but I think it's – when someone is very much attracted to anal sex, it's really important to understand what are the dynamics that are going on. So, Scott, what are the psychological dynamics that go on in the viewing and the desire for anal sex? Well, let me take one step back. Let's go back to our framework that we look at arousal in always. These three things. What is the visual cue? Okay. What is the psychological cue? Or cues, and then what is the narrative cues? What are the parts of my story that make that particular thing so arousing? So let's talk about the visual cues first, because uh, again, but this is butts, 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 butts. butts. <laughs> so in the ranking of body parts that men are visually aroused by, it is in the order, you know, ascending order from the least viewed to the most viewed: um, breast, chest, butts, yep. feet, and penises. So. Yep. Visual cued wise, this combines both butts and penises yep. in a very novel way. So it's yep. it's not your standard intercourse. This is kind of on the outskirts of standard, yep. but obviously so so widely popular. You know, it, how can it not be considered normal now because sure. there's so much viewing of it and so much doing of it? Yeah, it um, is so, ubiquitous in the culture. So let's just say so, that. Yeah. So the, the cued sexual interests from a visual standpoint are predominant, mm -hmm. the penis and, and the butt. And then there's the psychological stuff that you were kind of getting at. So what are the psychological dimensions? So um, you talked about this already, the taboo nature. It seems like this is forbidden. This is naughty. This is, use the word dirty, but I think what you're meaning by dirty is it makes us a little uncomfortable because this is kind of pushing the envelope, right? Yeah. And let's well, just. Let's be very, let's be very, uh, very frank. You cannot have anal sex and go back to having vaginal sex because you will create a bacterial nightmare in the vagina. So there right. is a dirtiness biologically to it because the bacteria for digestion live in the anus, but they don't live in the vagina. Right. So you're you're either doing this with a condom or you're barebacking it is the term. And if you do that, you can't you definitely cannot go back to having vaginal sex right. unless you're really going to do harm to a person. So there is or, that or take a shower and clean up in between, which, right. by the way, is what always happens in porns. If they they take a break and freshen up and then go back to filming. But they don't portray it that way. Of course they don't. Of course they don't. So there is that element of psychologically degrading another person. You mm, know, because if yeah. I have if I pull out of having anal sex and then I stick it in your mouth or your vagina, 
Yeah. I'm degrading you. I'm humiliating yeah. you. Yes. And that can be eternal. Mm. So the question mm. is, at what point in my story does degrading another person become arousing? Mm. How did that happen? Mm. And there's some dynamic that came into my life where probably I was degraded sexually. And now I feel like I have to be the one in charge of that experience so I can emerge victorious in a situation yeah. where I've been a victim in the past. Yes. So those psychological cues of power dynamics become, I think, really important in this particular category. Um, when you consider that the way this is practiced in most of the practices is doggy style. So the, sure. the participant is on their knees or they're bent over and you're yep. not seeing them face to face. So there's no real connection. And I think that lack of connection speaks to something in my narrative as well. So you've got, again, the psychological dynamic of I'm engaged in a sexual experience that's highly arousing. It seems kind of transgressive. Um, it allows me to kind of be free, but not have to connect with the other person. What in my story then speaks to that kind of dynamic being necessary for me to, to achieve arousal and orgasm? Well, and and I would also say that there is there is the anger component as well. And I'm just gonna, uh, you know, if if you've got sensitive profanity ears, uh, listen up because we've all been fucked metaphorically, and sometimes the thing that I want to do to heal that experience is what you just talked about. I want to dominate someone. I want to make someone submit to me. I want to, and this can be seen in blowjobs. This can be seen in rough sex, but it especially can be seen here in this idea of anal sex where you're bending someone over and you're putting your penis in a part of their body that is quote unquote forbidden it's the way to feel unfucked. Yeah. And and that is and that is a a real human experience. Don't don't kid yourself that when you're having sex that these emotional pieces just get dismissed and dissociated. They are within all of us and they are driving all of us. And so when we are um in in an, in a dynamic where we feel weak or powerless or angry or anything like this, this can be a very attractive arousal template for us because it's a way to reverse and re-identify our, our lived in experiences. Maybe you were metaphorically fucked in your relationship with your parents. Maybe you were ignored and, and dismissed and, and abused, physically abused. So you want to take that out on someone you're not abusing that other person, but you're experiencing the degradation and the, and the darkness of that embodied in you as you perform the sexual act. Yeah. So let's give that a name. It's called eroticized rage. It's an yeah. emotion, yes. anger that becomes linked with sexual arousal mm. and it can be expressed either in self-contempt. So I'm willing to submit to somebody else penetrating me mm. and dominating me and mm. taking anger out on me because I believe that I'm a piece of shit and yeah. that's how I need to be treated. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, I grow up in an environment where I'm treated uh, harshly and cruelly, and I start to develop a ton of anger 
against my father or my mother. And the way that I get that anger out of my life is I, I'm not allowed to have my emotions in my family. I'm not allowed to say to my dad, you know, the way you talked to me was really cruel and harsh. Mm -hmm. And I really want you to stop talking to me that way. Or mom, you are criticizing me constantly all the time. You're belittling me. You're making fun of me as a man. And mm -hmm. I don't like it. So instead of having those conversations, we weren't allowed to have our emotions. So our emotions sit in us until we find a way to express them sexually. So I take it out on another person yes. by expressing my rage at my mother and father by having anal sex and letting you have it. Yes. And letting you take it up the ass, by you the way. It. Yes. Because that, that, that is, Scott, and, and I think it's important to recognize um, – and again, we're not moralizing this, but let's just be real. Sex was designed for a penis and a vagina. It was. And so when you, when you force someone to take it up the ass, there is a disintegrating piece to that that needs to be recognized. I'm not saying you can't enjoy it when you recognize it. Absolutely. When you can integrate that into part of your story and you understand you enjoy the feeling, but you've healed the dynamic that you learned to enjoy that in, totally, totally fine. But I think when we're, when we're talking about this and we're inviting guys to be curious and to be kind to themselves, if, if this is a, an arousal template for you, what Scott was talking about, that eroticized rage is coming from somewhere. If we do not, if you do not look back and put a name and a story to that eroticized rage, it can remain for your lifetime and it can even increase. Scott, and I'm, again, I want to make sure I'm not tying anal sex to this word, but I think it, it, it is a natural progression for some guys. Rape is real. And the desire to rape or be raped is real for a lot of men and women. And when we go there, when we go to that eroticized rage place, that is a, that is a, a deeply grieving thing to think about. It's, it should be stopped. It's not, it doesn't belong anywhere in this world, but it happens. And so to be able to, to care for that and to be curious about that and to say, hey, if this is my desire to dominate someone or be dominated by someone, I have a lot of pain that has not been grieved. Yeah, no, I'm going to take it even deeper because um, rape fantasies are excessively common. Um, and both males and females have them, but females in particular have this fantasy. Is that is that, and that's probably a whole episode in and of itself. Yeah, it's we got to put a pin in that one because it's another thing. Yeah, it's such a common fantasy. But part of what I think that's saying is it's not just um, it's not just a way of working out my eroticized rage. It's also a way of working out my desires were never honored in my home as well. Mm. So I can have a situation where not only are my emotions never honored, but what I really want and what I desire yes. is never honored. So I have to give myself over to a fantasy scenario in which I don't have to worry about my desire yes. in order to experience desire, right? Yes. Yes. And and so I want to I want to just kind of name something that started off here and we've we've taken a really serious turn. We started off really joking and I think yeah. just for some self-awareness, it, it was revealing our own discomfort with the subject matter. Yes. And yes. I think we're all uncomfortable when we start to get in this territory. So we kind of use joking as a way of deflecting it. But now that we're really into this and serious, let's just name kind of the real psychological dynamics at work here. One is the, the fusion of pleasure and shame mm. that occurs in so many of our lives. 
Mm. Especially mm. if you've been sexually abused or sexually used in some way mm. where you're experiencing both pleasure at the same time that you're experiencing a lot of shame. And that yeah. dynamic is highly present in anal sex. Anytime yes. you're starting to talk about this. Yeah. So I'm not only experiencing pleasure, but at the same time, I feel like there's something wrong with me for liking what I'm experiencing. Right, 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 right. And the second one is the sense of powerlessness that gets coupled with being alone. Mm. So the essence of a traumatic childhood is developmental trauma is your developmental needs were never met in your family on a consistent basis. What are your developmental needs to be seen? to have your emotions soothed, to be stimulated when you're feeling despair or depression or shame, to have your desires honored and loved. So your, your developmental needs were not only never met, or they may have been harmed purposely, mm. but you're completely alone in it. Mm. And that power dynamic then, then this sense of powerlessness begs for being reversed, and the aloneness begs for being reversed, and how do we reverse it? This powerlessness shows up in that power dynamic of wanting to have somebody else submit to me or I submit to them. Right. And I'm not alone this time. Yeah, I'm with somebody else, but I'm controlling the experience. And I think that's a big psychological uh, dynamic here. Well, and, and I um, think it's, it's, important, it's important to tie the two things that you just mentioned together. When I enter into that experience of being dominated or dominating someone else, I'm, I am... Uh, you know, kind of bastardizing, but still connecting that pleasure shame dynamic, that desire shame dynamic. I now have freedom to choose the way that I will be degraded or degrading someone else while having orgasm, while yes. welcoming in the all, all the things that I that I felt inadequate in. Now I can reconnect those two things together, which makes this the most insidious cocktail in human history. This. Sex is the oldest drug ever created. And what we're talking about is all the different varieties of how sexual desire has gone awry, but we still come back to it because sex is what makes us intrinsically human. So, so yeah, just to kind of cap it off, if anal sex is one of those things that really turns you on, first of all, we invite you to have some curiosity about that Absolutely. and be kind to yourself. Just acknowledge yeah, this is a category that really turns me on. It really gets me hot. Yeah. So what is it about my story that's leading this to be so exciting to me? And be very curious about how that dynamic of pleasure and shame get melded together in your story. Mm. When did that happen? Because for so many of us, there is so much shame wedded to our sexual arousal and our sexual pleasure, number one. Yeah. And number two... In what scenarios did I feel really powerless and really alone in my life? And those those dynamics get repeated in a lot of our sexual uh, compulsive behaviors. But I think so particularly they show up in this category because of the transgressive nature of the sex act itself. Mm. So, again, we're always um, hopefully as you guys have been listening to this episode, you're not hearing a bunch of you shouldn't do that. That's dirty. That's no, filthy. Not at all. That's not what we're saying. We're, we're for pleasure and adventure and exploring and enjoying one another's body, but never in a way that brings shame and a repetition of how you've been harmed or your spouse or your partner's been harmed back into that experience because you're just reenacting parts of your story where that shame and that pleasure and that powerlessness and that aloneness got fused together. 
And that's not the joy of how God created for you to experience sex. Yep. And so we want to invite you guys to get curious about the things that Scott just mentioned and many other things. I know you may have been listening to this podcast for a while. What what are you doing? I mean, it's great to listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video. We're, We're glad you're doing it. But we want to invite you to take a step. So please reach out to one of us. Uh, so we can help you become more uh, intentional in this area and begin to heal those parts that you're grieving today. So, Scott, uh, we start with jokes and we end with tears. That's just what we do. We just get really serious <laughs> and we just, you know, I mean, that's just the human experience. Just, uh, you know, if you've ever watched the movie Training Day, sum up the hood in, in one sentence. And one of the characters says, it's all about the smiles and the cries. It's all about the smiles and the cries. And, and that's, that's life. That's life, baby. And that's where we're trying to be honest in that. So thanks for joining us again. Uh, we'll be back uh, for who knows what next time. You never know what you're going to hear on We Got Balls. But what you're going to hear is an invitation to engage your sexual story with kindness and curiosity. Thanks, guys. Y'all take care. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at pornfreemasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.